Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast from Arizona, site of Super Bowl 57. It's Tuesday, February 7th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Today, we'll hear from Chiefs Chairman and CEO Clark Hunt. He spent about a half an hour with a handful of reporters responding to questions about a variety of topics, from the hiring of Andy Reid and Brett Beach, what he learned from his experiences about a dozen years ago that led to a changing in the organization's philosophies and how it led to the current success. I wanted to know about how he feels generating revenue from a new stadium and how that might factor into future plans for Arrowhead. There's plenty more. It's an opportunity to hear from Clark Hunt in a way that only happens at the Super Bowl. Okay, let's get started. Hey, one thing I, was, I want to ask you about is it so when, when you hired Andy, I mean, it had been a few years since he had let go of the GM uh, role in Philly. But but I, if I recall correctly, not a few years since he sort of still retained personnel control, and you were putting together your own new structure. I just wonder it, how much that was sorted out, and and how much you wanted to make sure he had, to whatever degree you could, sort of separation of church and state there, and that why that would be an important model for you guys. Yeah, I'd made the decision uh, going into the interview process that um, I was going to change the structure and have both the GM and and coach uh, report to me. And that was one of the questions uh, I had for Andy because I knew that he'd had both roles uh, for much of his time in Philadelphia. And and he hit that right right off uh, the bat in in the interview just saying, look, um, I, I enjoy doing them both, but I enjoy being a coach more. And I think in today's NFL, it's it's best to have uh, someone else uh, performing the GM duties. There's just you know a lot that goes into the coaching side, and I'll be a better coach uh, if I have somebody else who's doing that. And obviously, Andy enjoyed trust with John, but have you seen over the years that 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 the level now is? That I'm sure he still has quite quite some say on personnel decisions, but I also imagine he doesn't do a lot of the dirty work, for lack of a better term. I mean, have you seen him let go of that more and more? Is that, is that part of his success, do you think? <clears throat> well, I really, my sense is the, the full 10 years that he's been with us, he, he's really let the GM and the personnel department uh, handle that. Um, you know, clearly they bring him in uh, on those discussions uh, to, to make sure that he's on board, make sure it's a scheme fit. Um, and the communication that he had with both John while John was here and then 
uh, with Brett uh, the last five or so years, uh, I think has been part of the, the secret to the success. The, the, the two of them <coughs> are very much on, on the same page, although I'm sure they have disagreements too. Clark, what, what did this season tell you about um, the organization, a season that I think some people were characterizing as a transition season, mm. not a rebuild, but, but a transition, and to be in the position you're in today? Uh, yeah, well, certainly uh, going into the season, there were a lot of questions about um, the team and whether uh, we would be able to, to repeat or even get back to the playoffs. Um, I, I think you know some, some uh, journalists had us finishing last in, in our division, um, which I, I, I understand that sentiment, but it was because of the significant change in personnel and the trade trade of Ty, Tyreek, <clears throat> and probably what I, I've you know learned about the, the organization is, is is that Brett and his team are really really good. Uh, you know I, I certainly thought that before. Brett did a great job of putting together the Super Bowl Fifty Four. Uh, team, <clears throat> but this was a tough transition to make and to immediately enjoy success, and uh, he was able to, to do that, so, um, you know, that, that's a credit to him. Clark, can you go back to the time that you hired Brett for the general manager's job? <coughs> what did you see him that led you to believe that he was going to handle things the way he has? Yeah, <clears throat> well, I, I know that this won't surprise you guys, but he came into the meeting very well prepared. <laughs> now, he, he had the advantage of obviously knowing our, our personnel um, better than, than anybody, but you know, he had, he had a huge binder uh, that, that he brought uh, to, to the meeting, which we didn't spend much time in, thank, thankfully, but, <laughs> but, but he it had it. <laughs> Uh, he, he had it in, in case I wanted I wanted to, to see it, but uh, you know he just he had a, a a vision for you know how how he would build the team, and I, I would probably say it it included using free agency um, more than I was accustomed to, uh, but he felt that you know that was a, a important tool, um, and uh, you know from day one he showed us he was very open to to trades and free agency and. And, and so forth, and you know, we wouldn't have made it to, to Super Bowl 54 without some of those moves that he made back then. <clears throat> and then by the same token, um, the, the draft classes that he, he's put together the last, last several years, I think, are, are key to the su success we had this year in being in the Super Bowl. Um, now, I know you, you just drafted Pat when you hired him, so he was already on board, but you didn't know what exactly what you had. <laughs> was there much discussion about how the, the quarterback spot would be handled? Maybe long short and long term. Well, short term, I guess you had your answer. But. Uh, yeah, not from a long term standpoint, uh, no. Um, uh, because um, you know he he was obviously very confident uh, in 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 Patrick. Um, I, I I remember we did you know talk about the importance of. of uh, periodically drafting young quarterbacks that you always you know, want to have a young young quarterback in the in the mix and <clears throat> I knew uh, that Andy liked to have a veteran quarterback too so <clears throat> that that was part of the equation as well that you have you know one young one one veteran and then then your starter you haven't drafted one since you drafted Pat <laughs> <clears throat> Pat must be too good <laughs> 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 okay. oh. 
Uh, I remember a press conference maybe 15 years ago. Uh, you were talking about your goals for the organization. You know, it was to be a consistent winner. I think you compared uh, looking at the Steelers, where something you hope the Chiefs could <clears throat> And now you look back at the last 10 years, it's 10 straight winning seasons, seven straight division titles, and three Lamar Hunt trophies in four years. What does it mean to you that the Chiefs have reached this point of being this consistent winner? <clears throat> Yeah, I I remember saying that and and thinking you know how difficult uh, it is to achieve um, because part of having stability from a personnel standpoint I'm talking about coach and, and GM is having consistent success right so uh, you can't have one one without the other but you've you've got to get the the right people in those positions and then if, if you get that hopefully they enjoy. Uh, the environment enjoy working for our family and they'll, they'll stay for a long time and you know we, we've had that now uh, with, with Andy and I would say you know Brett and, and John uh, over the last 10 years so um, you know couldn't be happier about it uh, I know it's very hard uh, to sustain but uh, going back to your question earlier a lot of the moves that, that were made this offseason I, I think give us a chance to not only hopefully win a Super Bowl on Sunday uh, but to be successful over the next several years. And related to that, you know, obviously you can make the compelling case that this has been the most successful five-year sequence for the team on the field. Off the field, has, has that translated? I mean, has this been, you know, the most successful five-year period for the franchise from a fiscal standpoint of growing the business, especially in today's competitive environment? <clears throat> so I would say in modern history, um, yes. Um, I, I don't have enough context, you know, from from the '60s, and you know, we were going from being a new franchise in Kansas City that was part part of a new league, and uh, the NFL wasn't what it is today. So I, I'm, I can imagine there was tremendous growth from the early '60s through the early early '70s, and so I can't I can't give you that that reference point. But certainly the, the last five years in terms of growing our brand. So if you just look at, at metrics um, like you know total number of fans, uh, social media engagement, we've gone from very much a middle-of-the-pack team to a team that's at or near the top. Uh, and that also has translated internationally. Uh, internationally, we're now uh, one of the top brands. Uh, and you know, take a market like Germany that we, we've focused on some there. We're in the top five there. We've moved into the top ten in, in Mexico. So <clears throat> there definitely has been tra translation there. The, the other time that it reminds me a little bit of was when we went from the late 80s into to the early 90s. And um, you know, Marty and Carl uh, Peterson uh, did a tremendous job of turning that team around, and it was a, a consistent winner for for a decade. And um, the fan base, you know, had, I think had grown a little bit apathetic, and and obviously, um, era had became the, the place to be on Sunday. And that that point too. You Paul. mentioned the international brand part, and when I think of American sports teams that have hit it big worldwide, the Yankees, the Bulls, the Lakers, and stuff like that. What does it mean to you that the Chiefs, like, they are in the top five? They are, like, widely regarded around the world. Yeah. Well, i obviously thrilled about it. And, and I tell you what I've reflected on, uh, which you, you referenced there, was watching the Chicago Bulls become a, a global brand. And I think you guys know that, that my, my dad and mom were a founding investor uh, in the Bulls, and we got to enjoy the, the Michael Jordan era. 
uh, which by the way, that's really the way to, to be a professional sports owner. You have none of the responsibility, but get to go and enjoy, <laughs> <laughs> enjoy the, uh, the championships. Um, but uh, yeah, that that was that was just a very special time, and I remember traveling internationally and always being uh, so surprised to see people wearing around Chicago Bulls merchandise, mostly number twenty three, of course. Um, but that you know that that really taught me the lesson that 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 it was possible, and you know that was. A long time ago, go now, and and today with 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 social media, and the focus of the NFL internationally, I think there's a lot of growth opportunity uh, in front of us um, on a global basis. You experienced the Michael Jordan stuff. You mentioned that. Any comparison with what the Mahomes effect is right now? You know, when you when you sit around and start thinking about okay, who has been like Patrick Mahomes historically as a pro athlete, it's a very uh, short list. And because of our family's uh, experience uh, with with the Bulls, um, you know, Michael Jordan's always the the first one that comes to mind for me. Clark, when um, you're just thinking back. some points of the 60s, the context of the 60s and the Chiefs being you know, really pioneering in uh, race breakthroughs in, in the AFL and not early in the NFL. I wonder if that lends any special context to you to have this be the first two Super Bowls with Super Bowl with two black quarterbacks starting it. In some way, you feel that historic sense with the Chiefs. <clears throat> um, well, you know, first of all, certainly um, the, the work that, that my dad, Jack Stedman, and Hank Stram, you know, did in, in helping uh, integrate the NFL back, back in the 60s um, is to be applauded at, at all times. And <clears throat> I, they, they did that, I think, uh, without intention. They did it because they were, they were trying to put together the best football uh, team that, that they could. And, <clears throat> and I, I've, you know, seen the articles and and the uh, reports about this being the, the first Super Bowl with two uh, African-American quarterbacks. And <clears throat> on, the, on the one hand, it's a little surprising uh, that, that that's the fact. And, uh, and on the other hand, <clears throat> it's a great thing. And I think it's really a credit to, to the two players, right? Because not only are they, they spe- special athletes, but they're, they're two guys that have worked really, really hard. And they're really, really good uh, team, teammates and leaders. And so I think that's why they're they're there. And it, this is a little unrelated, but <clears throat> it, it, it was years of feeling like you want to break through and get to this level. And I, I don't think we ever really just asked you how, how it personally feels to you to feel like you've got <clears throat> got this run going and, and no reason to think it won't continue. I mean, how much different does it feel to go to work than it did when you were just hoping to break through with a playoff win? Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it really started with winning that first AFC uh, championship uh, back at the end of the, the 19 season. Uh, and we accomplished so many things that year that either had never been done or hadn't been, been done in 50 years. Um, and, and there was a sense of, of relief to that. Um, and I would say also tremendous joy. Uh, when, when I think about that, that football season from a family standpoint, that's the word that, that always comes to mind. Um, and I, I think our fans uh, felt felt that as well. Um, and then being able to, um, you know, have consistent success over, over the last three years uh, since that, 
<clears throat> the only, only thing I, I can tell you is just what, what a great blessing it is. Um, I, I know how rare this is. It, it does not happen um, uh, to very many uh, franchises. It's very difficult in the context of today's NFL with the salary cap um, and the other mechanisms that are, that are designed to, to create parity. Um, and uh, I come back to giving Andy and Brett tremendous uh, credit uh, for being able to make it happen. Before the, uh, th that Super Bowl year, first one, um, I think you said your mom told you it'd be nice if you'd do it in her lifetime. Right. Does she now expect it? Uh, <laughs> how do you, how do you yeah. reconcile that? Yeah, yeah. Well, she was, she was really upset at us the last couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're back in our good graces. <laughs> Clark, we, we spoke a little while, or you spoke a little while ago about um, uh, revenue, and uh, I'm wondering, Dean, if you could speak to the importance of generating revenue from the stadium and it, it, possibly entertainment district, and how that's changed over the years, and we're seeing that in other markets. Uh, right. So, I, as you look around professional sports uh, in the United States, and I, I think elsewhere also. Um, whether it's an arena or a stadium, baseball, football, soccer, um, the growth in those facilities seems to accelerate uh, at all, time, all times. There, there are stadiums that were built 20 to 25 years ago, which we all thought, wow, that, that is really the latest and greatest. Those stadiums are now being torn, <coughs> torn down so that uh, something else can be built that has more of the, the bells and whistles that you need from a revenue standpoint. Uh, today, so it's a very important <clears throat> part of the uh, equation, I think, to to, to being successful, um, because you know there there is there is a financial race going on, you know, behind the scenes. Uh, that's not about making money, but it's about having the financial resources so that you can have a, a championship team, and so uh, that's that's very very important. And the bar does seem to get raised, you know, every uh, couple of years. Most recently in the NFL with, with SoFi. I mean, what, what a what a beautiful uh, facility uh, that is. So um, it, it is a very important uh, uh, part to the equation. Uh, we're fortunate to have had uh, a stadium like GEHA Field at Arrowhead uh, that has allowed us to to compete. Um, you know, financially, um, we obviously have some big decisions uh, in front of us uh, about it about its future and. We're working on that and uh, hope to have that sorted out in the next couple of years. You mentioned about the, the turnover of stadiums. If I'm not mistaken, Arrowhead, I think, is the third oldest in the NFL behind Lambeau and Soldier. Those obviously have rich histories. How, com you know, how compelling is it to, you know, to keep Arrowhead in now, you know, when you're going into discussions about <coughs> stadiums? I mean, how important a factor is that that Arrowhead has a history that most places don't? Uh, I, I think it's a very important part of, of the, the Chiefs' uh, history and sort of the Chiefs' uh, legacy. Um, it's, it's a place that, that fans, um, whether they're from Kansas City or not, love to come to see a pro football game. Um, when I walk the parking lots, I, I'm always fascinated to, to meet people who, who it's their first time they are ahead and they are so excited about it. And I really think there are only a couple fields like that, uh, Lambeau being, being the other one. Uh, Soldier, you know, clearly uh, ha has had that in the past. It sounds like the, the Bears may be <clears throat> making a move there. Um, but, you know, fans, uh, if you're a football fan, you need to go to Lambeau Field 
and you you must go to Arrowhead, right? Uh, those are sort of sort of the two places, and that that is something that that's special and uh, something that we'll take into consideration as we think about our future. Okay, I feel compelled to ask this. In, in 2020 in Miami, um, you had mentioned uh, some surprise that Eric Bieniemy had not been hired, and, and here we are, three hiring cycles after 2020, and he still hasn't had a head coaching position. Your surprise level at this point <clears throat> compared to 2020, where would you say it is now? Yeah, yeah I, I, w I wouldn't say that it's grown because I knew what a great coach Eric was uh, at that point and uh, thought he would get, get an opportunity, and I've, I've continued to think that. Um, he, at this point, he's maybe been through too many hiring cycles, and it's almost become a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy uh, that, that you know, he's, he's not getting the opportunity. Um, I, I know, you know, he's still interested and he would do, do a fantastic job. And I'm glad that he's going to have the stage uh, that, that he'll have on uh, Sunday to once again show what a tremendous offensive coordinator he is. Clark, you mentioned um, that, that Brett perhaps uh, looked to do more free agency than you've been accustomed to. And obviously you restructured with when you brought in Andy and John. I, I, I wonder if there are other ways you can think of that you, you've maybe consciously changed as an owner in your time. If there's or if those are maybe the two most substantial things, I, I'm sure it's hard to get your arms around. But um, I, I, I would say I, I'm much more comfortable um, in in the role, um, and um, you know, worry about worry less about things that that I know I can't control, right? <clears throat> and um, the, the the best solution to not worrying about things you can't control is having great people like Andy, Brett, and I would put Mark Donovan in that category too, who are all also talented and I know they're gonna going to do a great job. How hard how hard is it to get to that place where you say I'm more comfortable? I mean obviously as you said the people enable you to do that, <clears> but <throat> still you're you're carrying that with you into the into the role. Um, was that and is it any harder because of the family history of living up to your father? <clears throat> Yeah, you know, when I succeeded my father, I knew I was um, stepping into some some very big uh, shoes to fill, and and I, I could I could never be like him, right? There, there's only one Lamar Hunt, and you know he he was so special, such a visionary, um, you know, such a, um, a great leader, uh, somebody that, that people followed because they, they just absolutely loved him. So I, I, I knew that I, I couldn't be like him and I had to just you know do, do it my way. Uh, <clears throat> I, I would say having experience um, is beneficial, even though I grew up uh, around pro, pro sports and you know watched my dad in the role for all those years. Until you're in the, in the position and have to make the, the decisions, um, you really are never going to have, have the experience. Experience is, is sort of the best teacher. And with, it, with any business, especially the one that's been on top like the NFL has been, there's always threats. <clears throat> what do you see right now to the NFL as far as the threats and the challenges going forward to, to keeping the business growing, <coughs> competition out there? Uh, right. I, I, would, I would say health and safety of the players is an issue that, that we just have to stay on top of. And, um, you know, that's something that 
in the in the last 20 years, the the shift in the league's focus on 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 that uh, has been one of the biggest uh, changes in, internally, and I know it will continue to be uh, a focus of the league. Um, and then I, I think there's so many other entertainment opportunities, uh, particularly for the younger uh, generations. Uh, there, there are a lot of things you know grabbing their attention. They they don't watch TV uh, like at least I I, I did grow, growing up. So that you're not going to convert them as a as a fan by having them watch TV. And we've got this uh, transition going on to streaming. Um, and and I'm I'm trying to you know think about how how that plays out because the NFL's model long term has been broad distribution over free TV, which has been very effective in building a, a huge fan base in North America and also to some degree uh, internationally. So I, I'm curious to to see how that that plays out. Or looking back on the six or eight years before you hired Andy. Um, do you feel like you needed to go through that to get to where you are now, if that makes any sense? Asking in a better way, were there things you learned during that period maybe that helped get you where you are now? <clears throat> right. I, you know, I, I think about that that period frequently, and I, I knew that we were going to have a, a, a tough time because uh, when when I took over, we, we had a very old roster, and we had not drafted well uh, for several years, so the cupboard was, was literally, you know, empty. Um, and you know, I, I, I'd like to second guess myself that I should have done this or I should should have done that. I, I'm not sure that it was it was correctable, you know, in in those first uh, few years. Although there, you know, definitely, you know, some decisions I, I wish I'd made differently. Looking at it from today and having the perspective of the 15 years. Um, I don't want to say I'm I'm glad that it played out like it did, did but it was probably necessary for it to play out like it did uh, to end up with with Andy as the coach, making the change in the structure. Um, with which, without the the struggles of those five or six years, I, I would never have made the change in the in the structure. I mean, that was my biggest takeaway from that is next time we hire a head coach. I want to be the guy doing the interviews and making the decision, as opposed to just somebody who's, uh, you know, consulting and and approving uh, that. So that that was the biggest takeaway from that, and uh, you know, looking at it ten years later, I'm I'm, I'm thankful for. Why it. Why do you feel like that's been so good, at least in, in the case of the Chiefs? <clears throat> um, well, I I'd say a couple things about it. I, I think. Organizations, NFL teams that that have the structure we do, you have a better chance of hiring a head coach who's a good good fit with ownership, right? Uh, because in the other structure where where that's been delegated uh, to the general manager, there there's a disconnect, um, and you also end up in a scenario where um, the the head coach wants to circumvent uh, the general manager on some issues and go directly to the owner. And that undermines the relationship, as as you can imagine, uh, between between the GM and the, and the head coach. Uh, so it's it's worked very well for us. I, I'm much more informed about what's going on with the football team 
than I was under the, the other structure because the other structure I was relying on the general manager to provide me that information and, uh, and occasionally talking to the head coach about it. But you know, uh, now I, I speak to both on a, on a weekly basis and I sort of understand their, their uh, two perspectives and you know, if they're, they're not on, on the same page, which Brett and Andy mostly are, but if they're, they're not, I, I'm aware of it. Hey guys, we probably have about four more minutes just so you know. Clark, speaking of Andy and, 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 and getting more involved in the process, so that the interview with Andy at the Philadelphia airport was, I think, well documented. It was about nine hours, supposed to be a couple hours. Meanwhile, with the Cardinals playing, waiting outside, if I understand correctly. So can you sort of explain how, how that was uh, shooed away? And, and, uh, and, <laughs> What you were able to accomplish that day to, to yeah, I know you, and the hiring wasn't made that day, right? But it, but it was virtually locked in, I guess. Uh, right. Uh, yeah, we, I think both Andy and I le- left that meeting, you know, thinking that this, this was probably going to work out. Um, but, you know, just thinking back to, to that meeting, you know, we had whatever, three or four hours, you know, laid out for it, and he was supposed to get on this plane, which I wasn't aware the plane was there initially, <laughs> but at, as as the meeting went on, this, this plane was there, and it had its door open, you know, and I was like, I wonder what that is, and finally Andy said, yeah, I'm supposed to get on that plane, <laughs> or was supposed to get on that, that, that plane. Um, I, I, it, it, it was interesting because it, it because I didn't know that he was going to get on that plane, I wasn't trying to prevent him from doing it. Um, it was really just that the interview was going so well and we had so much to talk about, right? That, that's what turned it into a, a nine-hour uh, interview. And also, at, you know, at some point in the interview, it flipped around and he was interviewing you know, me, right? You know, try, trying to just figure out and understand not only who I am, but you know, what, what the culture of the organization was, what our facilities were like. You know, what it was like living in Kansas City, you know, something that, that he hadn't done, done. So, and it ended up taking nine hours. So it, it, it worked out well. Did you think about shooting up your tires at that point? <laughs> <laughs> had I known. <laughs> it's funny thinking about, though, that the, I guess maybe if he got in the interview with them, maybe uh, he'd have a home Super Bowl now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. going to let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Clark, you mentioned uh, the trust you have in Brett. When you see so many young players, and especially rookies, contributing this year in the biggest games of the season, how satisfying is that? Yeah. <clears throat> well, I, I think it's really, you know, maybe the story uh, of the 2022 Chiefs is the emergence of, of this uh, rookie class. Um, there was a lot of excitement about them coming in, but, hey, they, they were rookies, right? And rookies usually don't start, and when they do, you know, they, they have, have letdowns. Um, and, and through the season, certainly there's been some growing pains uh, and as we've gone along. But they've played so much that they really uh, are, are playing well. And I think last week in the AFC Championship game was, was a great example of that. You know, just off the top of my head, I can think of seven key plays made by seven different uh, rookies, and I'm probably leaving somebody out, that, that really allowed us to win that game. With, and without those plays, maybe we don't, don't win the game. Uh, so as opposed to winning despite having a bunch of rookies on the team, we're winning now because, because we have those rookies on the team. And, uh, and again, uh, the credit goes to, to Brett and his staff for doing a magnificent job. 
That'll do it for today from the Super Bowl. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of George Howard, Monty Davis, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. We are your source for all things Chiefs in Arizona. Follow the coverage in the print editions of the Kansas City Star online at kansascity.com and my favorite source, the Morning Sports Edition. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening. Stay with us all week from the Super Bowl where we talk Chiefs and all things sports in Kansas City every day. Bye.